The OneStream Global Education Services team proudly presents the OneStream Podcast with your host, Peter Fugere. Greetings, fellow OneStreamers, and welcome to the OneStream Podcast, where we explore and examine all things OneStream, talk to experts in the industry, and gain knowledge from some of the brightest minds that help deliver and implement solutions for our clients. This episode is part of the Expert Series, where we explore and examine fundamental concepts, tools, and topics surrounding OneStream. In this, our second season, we're diving into how customer business requirements become real solutions. I'm your host, Peter Fugere, Chief Solutions Officer at OneStream Software. And as always, I'm excited to bring this discussion to you. I'm grateful to welcome Randy Warder, CEO of Black Diamond Advisory. Welcome, Randy. Peter, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. This is going to be a good topic. Today, I want to talk about requirements. But before we get into that, tell me about Black Diamond. I know about it, but tell our listeners. Tell us about the history. What makes you guys special? Why should our partners be looking at Black Diamond? Excellent. Great. I can answer that question. Uh, so Black Diamond, when I started working in OneStream, which was six or seven, eight years ago, um, I worked at a company that did multiple um, products not just one stream. And I found out quickly that did not work well. So I started Black Diamond Advisory to focus on one stream. We do no other products. What makes us special is we're all in on one stream. We also, I think what makes us special is when we started the company, my theory and what I told everybody who comes here to work with me and Black Diamond is that if one stream can theoretically revolutionize EPM, CPM, then why would the consulting firm be the same it has been for 25 or 30 years? We need to evolve as well. OneStream's uh, been a disruptor and a market shaker and then revolutionized it, so the consulting firm needs to do the same. We take that very seriously here, and everything we do is very innovative and creative that aligns with OneStream's kind of philosophy and overall direction that the vision that they put together as well. And I saw a large contingent of uh, folks, including yourself, at the WAVE conference as well. Um, you guys have really been investing in marketplace and and uh, the solutions that OneStream offers. Yeah, so that is one of the key differences with Black Diamond is we didn't want to just be a company that did projects. We wanted to invest in the software and the platform and invest heavily in those solutions. So we're working closely with OneStream to develop those solutions that we can put out on the new partner place for uh, you know clients and prospects. Uh, prospects to become clients to be able to download is use, uh, you know, right out of the gate. So we're really doubling down and brought in people specifically to work on solutions and product and put right into that partner place. Interesting. Well, today we're going to talk about requirements and the requirements session. And, you know, it, this, this series, as we've been going through it, we've talked with, you know, some of the thought leaders at OneStream, how, how ideas, uh, actually get delivered to a solution. And now we're, we're getting into the nuts and the bolts of it. This is the first phase of an implementation. It's, it's coming in, it's picking up where the sales folks left off, understanding where they are in the conversation, where they are in the learning process of how we can solve this, and then really going to the deepest level, right? And so this requirements meeting, it's our first step. And how do you take on that first role how does how do you advise your guys even to take on that first step that that step from transition uh, from sales to actually moving into like a delivery phase? How does that begin for you guys? 
Perfect. So this is this has been a hot topic um, lately as well uh, in trying to be very creative and innovative around how we approach this. Typically, sales would sell something and hand it off to delivery. There may be a form or some sort of um, kind of casual handoff. What we found to be successful is in the sales cycle, we'll bring in those transformational and technical leaders within that cycle and they actually will be the people on the delivery project. So that handoff is real is more real than it is just kind of paper driven is this is what we did in sales. So the first step is the people that are on that project already are familiar and have the relationships and understand what was said in the sales cycle. So step 1 is they're already involved in the client and the um you know leading right into the requirement session is I was here. I was your person during the sales cycle. I remember you really wanted to do this. And then that rolls very seamlessly into the requirement session, which is in the very beginning of of the project. That's interesting because, I mean, that happens all the time uh, in a, in the old an old world, right? Maybe the one where I, I was at another company before, we won't mention their name, uh, where, you know, <laughs> It was just a handoff, if that, maybe a half hour call. Even the scoping, you know, for the project might be like an hour long call where they're scoping everything out and you can't help but miss, you know, key things or things that are exciting. Even when you're in the room, if you're if you're ever in the room during a sales cycle and someone sees a dashboard and you can tell the room lights up like that, that's interesting to them and that never gets translated. So you come in for the implementation and you sort of lose an opportunity maybe for some low-hanging fruit or something like that, I guess. Yeah, exactly where our heads were at is is having the person that has some subject matter knowledge during that sales cycle, which sometimes can last several months, um, even up to a year. It is great and a comforting feeling for the client to say, I don't have to explain myself again. Here's somebody who gets it and they understand what we're trying to do. So them being involved during that cycle has been been a real advantage for us. And then it just rolls pretty seamlessly into the requirement session. So it's been very successful. So one of the things I always say, and I, I probably said on this podcast maybe three or four times in this series, but I'll say it again, is during the design session, I'm doing 90% of the talking because I'm explaining how we're going to deliver everything and how the software works and however. But during requirements, I like to say I'm doing 90% of the listening because I really want to understand why are we here? what what What's your problem? What's going on? And and how do we get that going? And to that end, you know, I like to have the client come in prepared. What do you guys do to prepare the client or have the client come in prepared for the meeting? Like what what kind of uh, uh, information can they bring? What type of documents help you guys dig into them, peel back that onion? So the way that we've addressed this is we make sure we're very transparent and upfront about a mobilization period between the time that you kind of finish and say, okay, we're ready, we're signed, we're going to go with one stream and, and Black Diamond, let's get started. It's a mistake to start the very next day. You really got to have that mobilization period where you give them almost a homework assignment or a list of things to do to prepare. If you do that and they do a really good job of preparation, those requirements and then eventually design sessions go you know, infinitely smoother as you have that preparation, you already have that preparation done. So example of some of the things you can do in the homework assignment is making sure that the environments are, are ready, making sure that they've got their mappings ready, their chart of accounts, their vision, you know, what they really want, making sure the schedules align to have the decision makers and the right people in the room 
when we do requirements in design. So it's really a, a checklist of about 20 or 30 things we give to a client to say, this is what you need to do over a week or two before we even set foot in there and do requirements. Yeah, that's interesting. So let's talk about that. So you you actually, is it like a survey, which I've seen work, or is it like a questionnaire? I mean, or is it just a list of items like, hey, we want, bring this and it's a to-do list. It's really a to-do list. Got it. it it's not a questionnaire because we've already done scoping. We've already got all the information we need. It's, I've gathered and heard you. We know what we want to do. Well, here's what you do to prepare for those discussions. Um, so it's really just a checklist and a to-do item, to be honest, not not really a survey or anything at that point. I do want to say something, my, my own opinion about surveys. And again, I have seen them work, so I don't want to dump on them. But at the same time, I think the OneStream product is so flexible you can really be limited by like a, a survey or questionnaire. I mean, it's you're not necessarily looking at one solution. So, you know, you you want the client, I think, to to really think a little bit more out of the box, you know, and, and think through that. I, um, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree what about, more, Peter, with that. Yeah. What, what about data flows? I mean, do you guys spend a lot of time going through like uh, proposed data flow diagrams or do you look at that ever? Yep. Yeah, so one of the... One of the tweaks in, in, you know, the data flows or when you get into requirements, what we found to be very advantageous, OneStream allows us to do this, is a lot of times it's a lot of words. Like you said, you're, they're doing a lot of talking, we're doing a lot of talking. But what I found is a picture is worth a thousand words. One yeah. of the prep items in the homework assignment is to have the environment ready. It's really nice to show um, what it looks like in the system. Or when we talk about chart of accounts or workflows or data flows, this is what we're driving towards. This is what we're really trying to get to. And this is what it looks like in the system, even a very rudimentary way. A light bulb you know, goes off over their head and like, I get it. Now I understand. So there's a lot of advantage in not just talking during requirements, but showing. And OneStream allows us to do that um, and and you got to take advantage of that. I found that to be extremely beneficial in requirements. So let me ask you this: Who should be in the room? You know, I it, are you? Do you guys do like the big group sort of session, or do you try to do one on one, or is it a hybrid of those? So who should be in the room? It's the first and foremost. It's the decision makers. They need somebody in the room who's a decision maker needs to be in that room. Um, that, that is the key component. If you have people in there aren't decision makers, then what happens is you put yourself at risk further down the timeline. So decision makers, first and foremost, size of the group, um, depending if it's remote or on site, you want to limit the number of people in there as well. There's diminishing returns. You know, when you get the double digits with people in a room, you know, 10, 15, 20 people, it becomes very difficult to manage that. So yeah. less is more decision makers. If you have to break it into multiple sessions, that's okay. But the worst thing you can do is have an eight hour session with 30 people in a room. That's a recipe for, for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, that's one of those, that's the type of meeting I, I found too, where, you know, you're spending 30 minutes agreeing that January is J-A-N and the full month <laughs> should be spelt out. And it is the first month of the year. It's like, what are, what are we doing? You know, it's it can be a little crazy, though. I do think um, like with a bigger group, what I've had success with is uh, especially when I need buy in from certain people about key decisions. I'll just do a one on one. We'll do breakout sessions and do one on ones or or reach out to 
other groups, show them where we are and get their buy-in or get their input on something. And then they feel like they have some ownership in the design too going forward in the next phase. So do you do that? We do. So when you get into these larger implementations and you're bringing operations into play, which is really with one stream, you, you definitely want operations involved. So one of the mistakes people will make in requirements and design is you're only talking to, say, the office of the CFO or the corporate world, and they're making decisions for the company. You, you want to be very careful with that because operations need to be involved. Making decisions without involving them you know, really doesn't make them happy. And they don't have that ownership. And that change management, which is really key when you're going to operations, is is in jeopardy because you're not involving them to create that ownership. So yeah, we absolutely make sure we bring them in as part of that discussion and break out and, and have that transparency uh, with, you know, the overall ecosystem. You don't want to make decisions in, in a box just with, with one one small group. I like your approach. You have people who are invested in the outcome. They're, you know, allies effectively. They they want things to be successful. They're probably going to be honest about project risk and where things are going. And so I think that's that's really critical. It is. And and a lot of times sales in sales, you're selling to finance. But when you get into requirements and design, all of a sudden IT and operations show up. So the value of one stream and when you get in those requirement sessions, you, you got to make sure you take them into consideration and you're selling to them as well because you've already sold to the finance area is what's the advantage for IT? Why is operations going to be better? So requirements just can't be listening to what they want to do because you'll have a lot of infighting. You really have to convince them too that you know there's value in this platform and why it's going to help them. So that change management role, and when we get into that, is is also very important. A lot of people don't focus on that, but but we run into that quite a bit. I think you hit on a good point too. I mean, you're setting the tone for the rest of the project. I like to come in with some energy and like, hey, you know, we're kicking this off. I even like to have like a kickoff dinner. I mean, it's a great milestone. We're starting the project, you know, like celebrate it a little bit and and be excited about it and have have some good energy, you know. I love that, Peter. The kickoff, the kickoff meeting shouldn't be um, minimalized. So that kickoff, we usually, first of all, you should have one. Yeah, it's don't drive right into requirements. I love the idea of kickoff dinner. Hard to do sometimes with logistics, but if you have a kickoff meeting, that meeting should be focused on the excitement around what's coming. And don't go to the weeds is get everybody excited. I think that's a, such an important thing to do, um, whether it's in person or remote, just do it. It just sets a positive tone. How long do you usually take on requirements? How long do you spend going through it? We have shifted this over the years. The big focus was on design and architecture. And over the last kind of five to 10 years, and, and even more recent, it's even got more, is it's switched to more requirements. And, and, and why that is, is during requirements, these projects are becoming transformational. You've heard the word lift and shift. We want to avoid that. We want to make sure people are taking advantage of the platform. OneStream is a very transformational tool. So in requirements, you know, the number one thing we want to do is listen. But number two is to make sure we have a point of view when they ask questions. They're going to say, well, what should we do? What do others do? What are other leading practices? Got to be ready for that. Have a point of view understand how to make them transformational and not just replicate the same processes they have now that really 
they're not gaining any value from. So requirements becomes more than just note-taking on what they want to do. It's conversations about the art of the possible and what transformation really is and what we should do short-term, mid-term, and long-term. So that that is really a, a key component of what requirements evolved to. So to answer your question – is no longer is it a day of requirements and a week of design. It's almost the inverse, is you're really talking about requirements. And if you do a good job there, design is easy. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how the shift's been over the last few years. I see the whole, like, you know, initial meetings, requirements, design, that whole first phase before we get into build, uh, part education, part business analysis. How do you look at it? Do you look at it just, you know, functional versus non-functional knowledge? Do you, you know, look at it like a product versus, you know, customer knowledge, business knowledge? How do you, how do you navigate that? So when we're talking about the requirement session and how to approach it, usually you start, you have to balance it. So layering in training and understanding one stream, extremely important. Um, what we like to do is put somebody on a program that has some subject matter expert you know, ability in their industry and their functional um, requirements. So, for example, if they're a manufacturing company or a hospitality um, company, I want somebody that understands their business and then understands the functionality within the solution. They're like, I absolutely want daily flash reporting and forecast capabilities and really get insight into my POS system. So if they say that, I've got people to put on there that can talk about what that means, why one stream is an advantage, how we do it, and then I can take advantage during that to teach them about one stream. So this is a great opportunity in that example to teach them about the relational blend and how we do relational in the back end and the cube views in the front and why you know that's really important for your industry and what you're trying to do and teach them and educate them during that requirement and design session. So having somebody in the room that understands both the industry and the functional um, is really important. Sometimes you have to supplement that with a technical architect as well. Um, so that one-two punch um, can work very well as, uh, as well. How important is it to know who the administrator of the application is going to be before requirements? So identifying the administrator, we've run into it many times where we'll ask during scoping or we'll ask during the sales cycle as you've identified an administrator. Most of the time they've identified somebody. So if they have not, um, we want to make sure we identify the risks with not having somebody there. And the big risk is the ownership and being able to take it over from the consulting firm. Though I'd love to be there forever and charge them to be there forever, we don't want to do that. We want them to own one stream and, and be self-sufficient. Yeah, so yeah. if they don't have administrator, there's a path to that. So we have to be more diligent around our documentation and the knowledge transfer, accumulate that. So when an administrator does get identified or hired, we can go back and go over the things we've covered during the program and catch them up very easily and efficiently. So we want to make sure that they do have an administrator. It's okay if they don't have it out of the gate, but we want to be diligent about putting that program together when they do come on to learn very quickly. And have you ever had a client come to you and say, hey, we're ready to start the project, but we haven't finished our chart of accounts yet and we have to clean up a lot there? Uh, or... Uh, we don't know what our product groups are going to be, or we're going through a restructuring. How do you handle that? How do you how do you go forward when 
you know, maybe some of the structures or management requirements are in flux? So a lot of times without, that is a very challenging question. It's very hard because it's very tough. So a lot of times what we'll do is, and this is normal, is you want to pivot to the end in mind. A lot of times in requirements and design, you'll want to look at the reports and what are the goals and objectives of the business. So flip it back on them and say, what problems are we trying to solve? So in this industry or, or what you're trying to do here, do we need bridge reports? Do we need commentary? Do we need insight into the invoicing? What are we trying to solve from a reporting or an in-game perspective? Then work backwards. So what you can do then is if you know where you're going, you can help kind of create some efficiency around their discussions with chart of accounts and the products and what they really need to do. So it gives them a little bit of comfort of where they're going because a lot of times in this chart of account redesign or they're talking about one of the dimensions they're not really sure what to do with, having them focus on the end game really will help them with clarity on what they're trying to do and you'll see that move a little bit quicker. OneStream does allow us to be a little more flexible in the dimensionality and the constructive of a solution. Most of the point solutions I've dealt with in my career is if you don't make the right decision in the beginning, it's a rebuild, it's a lot of work, it's a complete train wreck. But one stream is flexible enough that if you get it almost there, we have the flexibility to tweak it as we go within the the, the overall implementation without a lot of... Um, you know, issues. So that that's a real advantage with one stream. So in game in mind, reports, what are we trying to solve? Kind of back into what we're trying to do from a structure perspective and, and just let them know that it's okay if it's not perfect. One stream will allow you to make some tweaks. So we're okay. So that that's kind of our approach. Very difficult question, very tough situation, but but that's been our approach. Well, you know, the other thing I always think about too with, with that, and I know I, I'm not trying to throw you a curveball with that question, but it, I know it's something that's come up for me and it's a really tough thing for people to sort of navigate. And, you know, you're talking about, um, potentially rework. And so I think you got to really look at your yeah. budget too and like understand, you know, you're, you're asking a lot of the consulting team potentially if, you know, they're trying to do their best to give you the best price they can and be as transparent. I don't know anybody who doesn't do that. And then, you know, throwing them this curveball of, you know, building a moving target, you know, that analogy, like, you know, fixing the engine while the plane's in the air, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it can be a challenge, you know, let me ask you this, you know, talking about one stream as a product, um, every podcast, just about, I get into it. Uh, I always talk about the platform. When you sit down, when you're at a requirements meeting and you're talking, when do you bring up the platform conversation and how do you keep that that concept in the client's mind moving forward if it's, you know, sort of helping them roadmap where they can take OneStream, uh, solutions in the marketplace, you know, other opportunities they may have? How do you engage with them on extensibility in the platform? The platform itself, that, that comes up during the sales cycle, and you just keep that message going throughout the entire uh, implementation and forever. So you just have to drive the point home that what they've done in the past is a collection of point solutions. And now the future is a platform. That's, that's the value of OneStream. 
jury requirements, design, implementation, support, and so forth, is we want to make sure they still understand that OneStream is this this tool that can do all of the things you dream up. So this constant continual education and keeping them on point with, we don't need to create a different solution or, or do other software. We can do it in OneStream. With extensibility, We've come up with very rudimentary examples on like long range plan versus budget and a higher level and how it works in the platform and they can kind of grasp that and get it. So, you know, we have a series of, of real world examples we go over and then they, they slowly um, understand what that is and then the value. So it's a, it's a constant education and, and reminder as we go through because um, it's just such a new and neat concept. What do you think are the biggest project risks? So project risks, in, so I'm going to give you three and a half. All right. Let's in go no on. particular order. <laughs> in no particular order. So it, the number one, and, and this maybe is an order, the number one risk factor is if you do not have executive sponsorship or engagement or decision making within the program. So if you don't have somebody to own this and and drive the business to change, it is a uphill battle. So not having that identified and having that kind of owner is really a risk throughout the program because then what happens is you'll have IT fighting with finance or ops. You need to have somebody who owns it that's pushing the vision. Uh, two, right now with OneStream, its its greatest strength is you can do anything, but you have to be very careful. So we have to be very clearly defined on the scope. What will happen is they get excited and can do everything, and that's a mistake to try to do everything at once. OneStream is designed to layer on things seamlessly. So clearly defining the scope and managing that and, and making sure we have realistic expectations, that's one of the risks that you have to be very, very careful of. And then the last one would be the uh, ownership and the change management is, is really making sure that they take ownership of the solution. And then your half one that I'm going to add in there is – there has been no program or implementation in my career that has not had challenges with their data. So risk data, with data, data, data is data. always a key. And data, data, data. Everything revolves around data. I think that 90% of people have told me their data is good. 100% of people have not had good data. So we have to be yeah. very careful with data and the amount of effort it takes in these organizations to cleanse and make sure that the data – um, you know, comes in properly and that, that we set ourselves up for success there. Um, that might be very, that might be not the half, that might be number one, you would ask some people, but I would say yeah. those are my three and a half risks. Love it. Let me ask you, what are Black Diamond's items they deliver when they do a requirement session? What should come out of every requirement session for you guys? So requirements is a requirements matrix. So you want to clearly define everything in uh, you know, the overall scope of what we're going to do uh, in a matrix. Very clean by work stream, by area, who the owner is. So you want to provide them this very detailed matrix, which ends up translating to a really good project plan. And it also feeds into the design when we do the design and architecture into that design document that becomes that, that you know, overall training material for the end users and then the administrator so you really want to deliver that matrix, uh, and then you know obviously that turns into a project plan and, and, and design document. 
So this is a fun question for me. Tell me three things you wish you <laughs> knew before you got into consulting. Oh, Peter, 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 Peter. Yeah. <laughs> so consulting is certainly an interesting career. It is not for everybody. Um, I would say learning to operate in the gray. So consulting, some people have said it's more art than science. In consulting, you are not, it is not black and white. You have to understand and have the ability to be very patient and operate in the gray and being able to navigate difficult situations. You asked me a curveball earlier. So a great consultant is somebody who can answer that question, who can navigate that very difficult, you know, I don't have anything defined question. The other thing I would say is you have to be self-directing and proactive. So you're on an island, even though you're part of a company consulting, you are on your own. And you have to be able to manage yourself. And I think that a lot of people struggle with being on an island um, in consulting. So that would have been something, you know, how to navigate that. Um, And then the last thing I would say is don't limit your skills in one functional area, one industry, one anything. You know, make sure you diversify your knowledge across all the different Um, things you can do, not only in one stream, but in in consulting, in functional. Just because you're an FP&A person doesn't mean you should ignore or never think of consolidation and vice versa. Understand tax. Understand what's going on in the world of consulting. I think diversifying your skills is a a great thing I would have liked to know and and advice I would give people. So those are my three. So let me ask you too, what do you think the most interesting technology predictions or disruptive technologies? So the most exciting, I, I love the move to operations. Though that's that's kind of yeah. last year and, and we're moving into that. I think the reason it, it's exciting is because it open up, opens up the doors to this, the machine learning, the sensible machine learning. So I, I do think that that will be one of the bigger things over the years is really taking advantage of the mass amounts of data in the predictive capabilities of the software. Um, It really plays well in operations. Uh, Today's day and age with logistics, um, you know, just supply chain, there's so many things that we do in the operations of a business that one stream can do. And the sensible machine learning is is, is kind of where I think things would be headed. I think that's one of the big disruptors. I think that's one thing that people are going to have to really lean in on um, is, is the sensible machine learning and, and operate operations uh, would be probably a, a big one for me that, that I see coming. Another great discussion. Thank you so much for bringing your expertise to the podcast today. And thank you, fellow one streamers for joining us. Remember, if you like this content, please don't forget to hit subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, concerns, please reach out at podcast at onestreamsoftware.com. I look forward to bringing you another exciting podcast. Until then, take care and I'll see you next time on the OneStream Podcast. The OneStream Podcast is brought to you by the OneStream Global Education Services team.